0: All right, guys, turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, very first Psalm, as a matter of fact, Psalm 1. Psalm number 1 and verse number 1. I apologize that I do not have the fancy-schmancy slideshow for you all to watch, so you'll just have to pay more attention. All right, Psalm 1, verse number 1. Everyone there? I'm still hearing some rustling of pages. All right, Psalm 1, let's read it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. All right, I'm going to start with a question. And I want you to actually answer it, and this isn't rhetorical. How many of you have either said this or you've been the recipient of this phrase? God bless, or the Lord bless you, something of that nature. How many of you have either said that or you've been the recipient of that? Okay, good bit of you. I personally have been the recipient of that. I don't say it, but someone has said that to me. It's one of those cliche statements, if you will. One of those things that the world especially expects just to kind of roll off our tongue, something that we just naturally say in an, every day, and a lot, of, a lot of Christians do say it. But with that cliche statement that is said a lot by people in our circle, it kind of begs a question, because when you're saying that statement, what are you saying? You're literally telling that person, I want the Lord to bless you. I want the Lord's blessing upon your life. So it begs the question, well, what is it about my life that should garner blessing? And we know the the, the generic Sunday school answer, first of all, be saved. That kind of helps. But second of all, oh, bless God, you need to serve God, and he'll bless you. Okay, true. But I was your all's age not too long ago, and I know your all's thought process. When someone gives you a very broad, generic statement, our immediate reaction is, Can I get some specifics? That'd be kind of helpful instead of just one generic serve God. I'd kind of like to get a little help. What what specifically does God want out of my life so that I know He'll bless me? Because God's blessing is what we want, is it not? And while what we're going to discuss tonight is not at all, by any means, an exhaustive list, these three verses are not the exhaustive list. This is the exhaustive list. And we're we're not going to go through the whole Bible tonight. Aren't you glad? But the first three verses, they're a very good start. They're a very good start of what should be seen in your life if you want the Lord to bless you. So let's look at it, shall we? Let's look at verse number one. The first thing that should be in your life, if you want the Lord's blessing upon your life, because it says here, blessed is the man, the first thing that you need to be able to do is you need to know the company that you keep. The blessed man is going to know the company that he keeps. Let's read verse 1 again. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So there we have it. Three types of people that you need to stay away from. Now, I know the types of people that you need to stay away from could be a rather long, detailed list. But I think the psalmist very, very masterfully kind of groups, all the, all the bad people, if you will, together into three very good categories here. So let's look at them. Who specifically should you avoid in your life so that you know God will bless you? Well, first of all, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The first person you need to make sure you're staying away from are people that speak wrongfully. Where did I get that from? Well, one of the first words in that phrase is, The man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does counsel require? Well, counsel requires words, speaking. And yes, you need to stay away from people that are giving you poor counsel. Now, they don't have to be only ever giving you poor counsel. They might be able to give some good counsel here and there, but you know who I'm talking about. The kind of people that you know, their first reaction is not going to be to do something that's going to honor God. And they're going to want you to join in. So they're going to tell you, hey, let's do this. Guys, please stay away from those types of people. But honestly, I think this phrase kind of of incorporates another type of person. Yes, stay away from the type of person that is going to give you poor counsel, but I would even take it a step further. Stay away from the type of person that just their general speech is not godly. Why is that that big of a deal? Because it's not you saying it, right? I mean, yeah, it might be them saying it, but it's not me saying it, I'm fine, right? Careful. The reason I'm gonna challenge you what I'm about to is because I speak from experience, guys, hear my heart. For the first seven years of my grade school days, I was in public school. And yes, northern public school is not very good. You all would know, you're from the north. But trust me when I tell you, public schools in the northeast Whole different animal. So I've seen a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of stuff that I wish i have never seen. I would have never heard. And I'm ashamed to say it, but because I did not put up my guard during my public school days, because I was not allowing myself to grow closer to the Lord like I should have, the things that I would hear my friends say that I thought, oh, I'll never say that. Man, that, that's just bad. One day I found myself saying them. And I'm sure you guys kind of get tired of hearing preacher or Pastor Scotty or camp leaders, whatever, saying, you got to be careful who you're hanging around. I know you probably get pretty tired of hearing us say it. But guys, we're saying it because (laughs) that was us. We did that, and we do not want you to make the same mistake. I guarantee you, if you do not put your guard up, if you are constantly hanging around people purposefully, that do not have godly speech, that never give you good counsel, you're going to find yourself start saying things that you never thought you'd, you'd ever say. And eventually, that's going to lead to, you're going to start seeing yourself doing things that you never thought you'd do. Sorry, fly. Which kind of leads into my next person. So we see that you need to avoid people that are speaking wrongfully. Second of all, you need to stay away from people who are doing wrongfully. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Okay, disclaimer. I know we're all sinners. This verse is not telling you to become some celibate hermit living in the middle of the woods. It's not saying you have to stay away from everybody because we're all sinners. Whenever the Word of God uses sinners in this kind of a context, it's talking about people who sin is basically kind of what drives their lives. They live for sin. Sin is what they enjoy doing. Oh, they might not admit that. They may not even realize it. To them, it might not even be wrong. But nevertheless, it's wrong because God's Word said it's wrong. But that's what drives them. They live for that thrill of doing what the Lord says not to do. Guys, you've got to stay away from those type of people. What I just said about people that are speaking wrongfully. Same applies with people that are doing wrongfully. The more time you hang around them, the more you're going to find yourself doing the exact same thing. I think it's interesting. It's almost kind of a domino effect here. Because if you're listening to the poor counsel, what are you going to do? You're going to start doing the wrong things. So stay away from people that are speaking wrongfully. Stay away from people that are doing wrongfully. And then thirdly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Stay away from people who are thinking wrongfully. I dare say these are probably the most frustrating people to be around. What's scornful mean? Scorn. Making a mockery of. Making fun of. Belittling. Thinking, ah, this is not that big of a deal. Basically, these are people that just have a poor attitude about pretty much anything. And those people can be annoying enough as it is, the people that can never find the silver lining. They could find the minutest bad thing about what you think is the best thing in the world. But the people you really need to watch out for are the people that have a bad attitude about the things of the Lord, which I think is really what this verse is trying to speak about. Yes, make sure you stay away from people that have a poor attitude, but especially if they have a poor attitude about the things of the Lord. Guys, if someone mocks your God, if they make fun of your Savior, if they take His name in vain, does that bother you? Oh, Spencer, again, I'm not doing it. It's just them. That doesn't matter. It should grind your ears whenever you hear someone make fun of your God. If it doesn't, we got a different problem. I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, guys, but again, I'm speaking from experience. You hang around with these people long enough, eventually it's going to be you having the poor attitude about things of the Lord. Church is no longer going to be enjoyable. A layer of dust is going to be on your Bible because you haven't picked it up in weeks. You're almost going to forget how to pray because it's been... It's been days since you've had a good, solid prayer time with the Lord. Guys, don't find yourself falling into any of these pits. But if I had to emphasize one, that would probably be the one I would emphasize. Because as soon as you have a poor attitude about things of the Lord, all the other things are just going to kind of fall into place. Last point I want to make about this verse, and then we'll move on to verse 2. I know we would like to think that this verse is speaking about the unsaved. And that really you could just wrap this whole verse up with, blessed is the man that avoids the unsaved. We'd like to think that. We'd like to think it's only the unsaved that speak wrongfully, that do wrongfully, that think wrongfully. But may I tell you, may I tell you that that it speaks just as much about Christians as it does about the unsaved. Should that be the case? No. We should be different. But unfortunately, I personally can think of Christians that I know that fall into every single one of these categories. I'm sure you probably could too. Guys, be careful who you're hanging around. This might be the 50,000th time you've heard someone preach on that. But we're speaking from experience. We don't want you to make the same mistakes that we've made. So what kind of a person is God going to bless? He's going to bless the person that knows the company he keeps. Point number two. He knows the word that he heeds. He knows the company he keeps And he knows the word that he heeds. Let's read verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So verse 1, the kind of people you need to stay away from, what you should not be spending your time with. Verse number 2 is kind of the opposite. What you should be spending your time in. Guys, how much do you value this book? You do realize, second only to your salvation, this is the greatest gift you have, right? And really, it's only because of this that you have your salvation. It's because of this that we know about salvation. How much do you value this book? Is this the most important thing in your life? These are literally the words of God. I know we can't comprehend that until we get to heaven's shores, but just think about that. Yes, they might have been written by men, but they were literally breathed by God. When we say the Word of God is inspired, the word inspiration literally means God breathed. God literally gave the men these words. Do we treat it as such? How does the blessed man view the Word of God? Well, first of all, the Word of God is his joy, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He cannot wait to get into the Word of God. When he wakes up, his first thought is not, uh, I don't want to be up. Uh, I hope there's a cup of coffee waiting for me. No. His first thought is, God, thank you for another day. Can't wait to see what you've got to teach me from your word today. He enjoys being in the word of God. Do you enjoy being in the word of God? Can any person that knows you ask, Hey, how much does so-and-so love God's word? And can the person there ask saying, oh yeah, I know them, they love God's word. Or would they say, I hope they do. May they not be said of you. Not only is the word of God his joy, second of all, it's his focus. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now the Bible is not saying you've got to have your nose in the Bible 24-7. Not a bad idea, but that's not what it's saying. It should be your meditation, which means when you do get into his word, you should be able to glean at least one thing that you're able to focus on throughout the day. I know I can say that I can always tell when I did not get around to reading my, reading my Bible in the morning because the rest of the day, is a little off kilter. Have you gotten to the point where you don't even remember the last time you did your devotions and day in and day out is just kind of another normal day because you're so out of habit of getting God's Word? What's your focus? When someone talks about a situation they're facing in life or maybe all they have to do is just simply utter a word, is a scripture passage the first thing that comes to your mind? Or is it the latest song you heard on Spotify? Or a line from a movie you watched last night. Is the word of God your joy? Is it your focus? It is for the blessed man. So first of all, the blessed man knows the company he keeps. Second of all, he knows the word he heeds. And thirdly tonight, he knows the source that he needs. Verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I think it's a very, very interesting and very fitting illustration here. All right, let's take a step back to third grade science, or probably even earlier. What are the two things that a plant needs to grow? Water and science. Very good. Wonderful. Water, a plant's not gonna grow, at least not to its fullest extent, if it has water. Oh sure, it can run on sunlight for a little while, but if it doesn't have water, it's gonna wither. And what better source of water than a river? That's a lot of water, a lot of good fresh water for a plant. Guys, that tree, That is every single Christian. We are the tree. Some of us are saplings. Some of us haven't been saved for very long. Some of us, were a little bigger trees. We've been saved for a good little while. But either way, we are all trees. What do you think is the river? I'd say it's the Lord. The Lord is our source. The Lord is what's going to make sure that we grow in our lives. You know, a, a real tree cannot dictate where it gets planted. And really, as far as where we are location-wise, we don't dictate that either. That's up to God. He dictates, he dictates that. But as opposed to a tree, a, like a real natural tree, where his entire existence is based on outward circumstances, he can't do anything about it, we, we actually do have a say in how much we grow. We can choose to not be planted by the source. Oh, sure, we can live off of sunlight for a little while. We can play what's known as the church game. We can put on a nice face. We can wear the right clothes. We can be at church in every service. But if we're not near the water, eventually we're going to spiritually wither. I pray that does not describe any of you tonight. But only you and God know. I don't know if you're withering. I pray you have not withered completely. I pray that you're not just putting on a face. But guys, either way, don't think that you're anywhere beyond God's reach. If you are sitting here, His child, no matter how far down the spiritual withering you think you've gone, He is standing there with open arms, ready to to accept you again. He wants you to plant yourself back next to him and receive the source of his strength. So I ask you tonight, could God bless your life. Are you knowing the company that you keep? Are you making sure you're staying away from those people that are not going to encourage you to grow spiritually and you are spending your time with those you know will Are you knowing the word that you need to heed? Are you respecting and loving this book like you should? And are you knowing the source that you need? Are you purposefully planting yourself by the source? Are you getting into God's word? Are you having a steady prayer life? Are you joyfully and willingly serving the Lord and getting into ministry? I don't know how many of you have seen the movie God's Not Dead, but probably my favorite line in that entire trilogy, really, was when the college student who was going to defend the faith in his classroom was just distraught. And he was sitting in the church, and the pastor kind of gave him a pep talk. And the pastor told him one of the greatest things I've ever heard regarding the spiritual life it's not easy, but it's simple. Oh, the Christian life isn't easy. Satan and the world make sure of that. You can turn on the news and see, the Christian life's not easy. But it's simple. How do I know that? Guys, it's all spilled out right here. This is your instruction manual for life. Are you following it? Could the Lord bless your life tonight? Could you fit the description of these three verses. All right, let's pray and we'll close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great gift indeed, that it is. Lord, help us all tonight to, to love it as we should, to love you as we should, to love you more than our fleshly desires. Lord, help us to know the company that we keep, to make sure we're staying away from those that will not encourage us spiritually and that we are being around those who will. Help us to get into your word more. We can never have enough of it. And help us to to plant ourselves next to you, to desire to get more of you so that we can grow closer to you. Help us to desire to be the blessed man. Lord, I thank you for these teenagers. I thank you for the, the blessing they've been to me personally just in the couple of weeks I've been here. And I'm excited to hang out more with them as the summer goes on. Lord, use me as an example to them. Use the youth leaders in the back as an example to them. May this youth group have a desire, have a drive to, as you said in your word, turn the world upside down to make such a difference for you that it cannot be missed. We thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.